everybody, welcome to episode number 47 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and unfortunately, guys, I hate to say it, but my co-host and dear friend Chris once again is not able to join us tonight. He is under the weather, so I do apologize. I oh, will I, be doing... I'm here. Uh, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Chris is here, everybody. I had quite a few listeners actually write me, Chris, and uh, they were concerned because I did the Patreon-only episode and then released it, and they realized that you weren't there. I made the announcement that you were feeling well, and uh, I did want to make it clear to everybody that you were going to be on the mend and be back very soon. And indeed, I was right. And by quite a few listeners, you mean uh, like like one, two? Uh... Actually, three, Chris. I had three. Oh, 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 three. Whoa. I feel loved almost. All right. Well, that I mean, that's what we all want in this world right now, especially uh, now, Chris. You know why? Because this is our one-year anniversary extravaganza. Yes, Chris, tomorrow oh. marks one whole year since we started this podcast and we released our very first shitty episode. Do you remember that one, Chris? The Erickson I Twins. don't remember it because it was probably... <laughs> not only was it because it's so long ago, but it was probably so embarrassing. Oh, terrible. That I don't ever want to hear it again. You can never go back to that and listen to it. Like, I, I'll go back once in a while just to start it up to see, you know, what kind of progress we made, like, with the sound quality. And it is... It's tough to listen to, man. I can't get past five minutes. <laughs> I, I, I haven't listened to any of the old stuff, but I think it's just because, like, you ever listen to yourself and just you get like almost red in the face just from being embarrassed of your own self like, oh yeah oh yeah well yeah. like I, I kept noticing on the episode <laughs> that uh where i interviewed uh t-bone last week or the week before on the uss indianapolis i kept saying the psychological aspect the psychological aspect and i was like shut the fuck up Dude, and, and on the uh, uh it just happened again recently on the uh Sheru Briarly episode I had to go back and edit. I said basically at the beginning of each sentence. So basically, and basically. <laughs> the whole show. Oh, my God. But uh, I've found myself getting more comfortable. Like, like I don't even really listen to the episode so much. I'm just like listening to the sound quality and hopefully having our facts match up with the actual story. But for tonight's episode, Chris, I- I'm happy to say I have notes. My little uh, Between the Cracks podcast notebook with notes on tonight's case, believe it or not. So not only are we celebrating our one-year anniversary, we are making moves, and we are heading in the right direction, buddy. Well, actually, uh, we should tell the listeners that uh, there's something special planned for tonight. Being the one-year anniversary, we uh, we want to get real interactive with you folks, and um, <laughs> you are actually going to do the research, so <laughs> we're going to point you in the right direction. And you are going to report back to us. <laughs> we will be doing that indeed, Chris. And do you know why, my good people? Because tonight, we are going to be talking about the very, and I mean very, mysterious case of Elisa Lamb. And what Chris is referring to is the fact that Netflix is now releasing a documentary on this case. What you say, Chris? It's coming out next week? It's supposed to be released February 10th, and it's called Crime Scene... The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I thought about this when we were talking about this case earlier in the week. We actually did an episode on the Cecil Hotel, which is located in Los Angeles, California, and it just has a very dark history, a lot of murders that take place, suicides. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, had stayed there. So it has this deep, dark history, and that's where tonight's mystery takes place. And what makes this case so interesting, Chris, is that there's actual video surveillance of basically this young girl's demise, pretty much, right? A lot of people speculate it could be one thing, some think it could be another, and we're going to get into all that. That, And and that's the main aspect of this entire mystery, is that nobody fucking knows, right? There's nothing creepier than when you have actual footage of somebody right before they actually die. Like, Uh, there's just... Yeah, like a picture or a video or something like that. It just gives you chills because it's like you saw them in their final minutes yeah. of life and just knowing what happened and because there's a lot of speculation really, I guess, behind what happened here because we don't know. And obviously, as we get into the case, we'll reveal the things that happened if you haven't already heard about this case. But there could have been other things at play that we don't know about. So like, it's a very mysterious to see a video and the way she's acting in it. Uh, so it kind of just like makes your mind wander and like what really happened, you know. So it's it is pretty creepy, and especially with the Cecil Hotel being the backdrop for this, and with that infamous history behind that hotel itself, that just adds to the unnerving aspect of this case. So I mean, with all that said, but I think it's time we dive right into it because we don't have a lot of time tonight, but we have our anniversary party waiting for us, right? I mean, we have Blue Balls here, we have Timmy, Craig T. Nelson, the whole cast of fucking characters is out there waiting for us to celebrate tonight, Chris. (laughs) I think we covered all of our bases, Chris, so let's get into it. And I'm also happy to report that we actually have something interactive planned for tonight's episode. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, too. But for now, let's get rolling on this. Tonight's case takes us back to February of 2013. That is when 21-year-old Canadian Elisa Lamb, who was a student at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, was unfortunately discovered in a water tank on top of the roof of the aforementioned Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. You got to ask yourself a couple things here. How did this young Canadian college student find her way all the way down to Los Angeles? And not only L.A., but one of the seediest sections of L.A. Because the Cecil Hotel is located right next to the infamous Skid Row. And crime, drugs, homelessness, all those things merge together at Skid Row. And it makes for a very volatile and dangerous environment, especially for a young college student to be in. With all that said... The Cecil Hotel becomes the backdrop for this whole mystery. Let's go backwards a little bit and see what was going on in Elise's life at the time. Even though she was a student at the University of British Columbia, she was not registered for that, I guess it would be the spring semester starting in January of 2013. So she wasn't currently registered for that upcoming semester. So basically looked like she wanted to take a little bit of time off. So we don't really know what's going on psychologically or academically. But Elisa does kind of give us little clues here and there, Chris. At this time, Elisa was very involved in social media. Elisa had a blog and she would share you know, some personal information. And within that information is where we get our first clue as to what might be going on in Elisa's life. Am I right? 
Yeah, well, you don't have to say it creepy like that, but yeah, they're... they're... I, do, I do apologize. <laughs> but yes, you're right. You know, we do have knowledge here of her mental health not being so great. So she actually was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression. So she's self-aware, obviously. She speaks about it in her blog, how she kind of relapsed with her mental illness and it actually kind of forced her to drop several classes in in the most recent school term and she mentions and i quote being so utterly directionless and lost she titled a post saying you're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life perhaps she's at a crossroads or something in her life you're obviously you're now 21 years old this is about the time you'd have to make a decision, really, on, on what you plan to do with your life. You know, your, your college years are coming to a close, usually, and you, you, you want to know what your career is going to be in. You know, obviously, this plays a role in her taking off, probably, right? Heading to California, maybe something that will spark some interest to her, or, or she'll have time to, to think on things. Absolutely, and I think almost Anybody can, can kind of relate to that. And uh, especially th- those words that she wrote, like you're always haunted by the idea that you're wasting your life. I mean, who the fuck does it feel that? I feel that every day. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. So, I mean, that's a very true statement. And you got to remember, too, when you're younger and she's a kid in my eyes, you know, she's 21 years old. So, you know, you have that uh, a bit of angst and, 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 and additional drama that can kind of be added by uh, younger kids, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I I think you're right, Chris. So, I mean, she was at least open to sharing the struggles that she had with mental illness. And I, that's a big step forward for anybody who's ever struggled from mental illness rather than keeping it secret. I think what's happening here is pretty much, from my vantage point, normal, right? She's struggling in school. She may be struggling mentally a little bit, wants to take a trip, get a fresh start. But basically hitting the reset button and then, uh, you know, getting back to work after that. At least that's how it sounds to me. And from the start of this trip, everything seemed to be going as planned. I mean, she shows up in San Diego. And now let's dig into this timeline a little bit more. So on uh, January 26th, she actually arrives in La La Land. Two days on her trip go unaccounted for, and I don't know if the parents just didn't release the information as to where she was staying, but on the 28th, it is noted that she checks in to the Cecil Hotel, and as I said, the Cecil is located in one of the more seedier sections of LA, right next to Skid Row. So... We have, she arrives in L.A. on the 26th, and two days later on the 28th, she checks into the Cecil Hotel. And on January 31st, three days later, she was supposed to check out. Mind you, during this entire trip, Elisa was staying in touch with her family daily, sometimes multiple times a day. So when she was due to check out on the 31st, and they didn't hear anything from Elisa... That's when uh, the alarm bells started to ring for her parents. It was at that point that her parents, they wasted no time, Chris. They called the LAPD and reported her missing. They must have had a sense that something was wrong. And obviously, they must have known about her mental health issues and maybe even reading some of the posts that she made. And maybe even prior to that, on some of the conversations on this trip, 
she might have been acting a little strange. We don't know. But something told those parents on the day that she did not call to immediately get in touch with the proper authorities and go in there and look for her, right? And it's within this time frame from January 28th when she checks in to January 31st when she was supposed to check out but never did is shrouded pretty much in mystery. Chris, let's unravel this time frame and Elisa's stay at the Cecil Hotel. As I said, she checked in on the 28th. The first room that she was in, she actually had roommates that she was sharing the room with. So I don't know how this fucking works. If it was like a section that was kind of like a hostel or some shit like that. But uh, she actually had roommates that she didn't know, but she was dorming with them for what was supposed to be her three-day stay. But That's fucking strange. Really isn't weird, isn't it? Really like, fucking weird. We're talking about not only a pretty shady area and a shady hotel, and you're going to stay with... I mean, I'm, I'm imagining the only reason for all of this was because of the expense. Like, it was must have been just the cheapest possible way... Absolutely. ...to get a view of L.A. and surrounding cities, because who the fuck would want to bunk up with some randos in a hotel? Dude, <laughs> first off, like I said, traveling by yourself, it, 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 whatever, some people like to do it, but for me, it's... It, it, it's odd and i would have just because i'm so socially awkward a very difficult time doing that and then secondly and i'll tell you right now i'll sleep in a fucking street before i dorm with people that i don't know oh 100 so god that would still be so uncomfortable oh my god i, I just I, I couldn't do it i could not fucking do it <laughs> anyway she ends up dorming with uh these these two roommates that she had and i they say roommates so i'm assuming it was two i don't know how many people are gonna squeeze into a fucking room but uh they actually asked hotel management if they can um, have her removed from the room because of quote-unquote certain odd behavior. Chris, let me ask you, I mean, what could possibly constitute such odd behavior that would require a move? I mean, we're talking about this young girl who's, I think, around five foot three, maybe 110 pounds, 120 pounds. So, I mean, what could she be doing that could be so intimidating or unnerving that you would go to hotel management and request that she leaves. I think we kind of know, right? Because of her very odd behavior that we have on footage. It seems that whatever triggered her relapse uh, or, or episode to happen must have started at this point. Obviously, it's odd enough to be roomed up with people you don't know, but when that person starts acting weird, then... This is the exact same reason why you wouldn't want to be bunked up with anybody you don't know. We come to find out she was on a shitload of medications. Uh, Wellbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquel. You know, who knows what's happening? Maybe she was off her meds because sometimes that happens a lot where, you know, you're feeling good, begin to believe that you're, you're better. You're feeling good. You don't need them anymore. And then you go off of them and then the trouble starts again. You know, so she may have left on this trip, maybe forgot her meds. Maybe she was under a lot of stress. And, you know, things just start to unravel little by little, and uh, it culminates in this very kind of odd behavior. And as Chris said, we do get to witness this behavior firsthand. It's very, very unnerving to watch. It actually takes place in the elevator of the Cecil Hotel. Like I said before, we're going to be a little interactive tonight, right, Chris? 
Yeah. Yeah. So we are... <laughs> We are going to ask you guys to find the video entitled Elisa Lamb Elevator CCTV Footage in Real Time. And that's on YouTube. Once again, that's Elisa Lamb Elevator CCTV Footage in Real Time. Now, what we're going to do is Chris and I are going to watch this simultaneously. And hopefully we can all time this out right where you guys can watch it with us. Now, uh, what do you say, Chris? Are you... Ready to roll. On your mark. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, what's going to happen is we can all watch the video together, and Chris and I will give our expert analysis as to what we see going on in this video. So, here we go. All right. One, two, three. Okay. Elevator door opens. Elisa enters. Creep, creepy music playing. Yeah. All right. So, she enters, and right off the bat, she presses... Looks like six or seven buttons, so she's... Right, hitting. right down the middle. I could just yeah. see a bunch of buttons. So she's stepping... Now she's stepping out, looking both ways, as if somebody's coming down a hall or she's trying to hide for someone. Backs up against the back corner. Elevated doors. Yeah. Clearly she's... Something's wrong with her at this point. We know that because of how she's acting. She's doing like these really quick bursts mm -hmm. of stepping out, looking around, making sure no one's there. Weird little jumping motions, too. See that? Like, back in and out of the elevator. Back so. in and out, yeah. So, if someone was coming down that hallway, you would think that she would be jumping back in there, right? And the elevator's staying open, which is also... That is very bizarre. I mean, even though she did press quite a few buttons, at some point, it would cancel each other out, or, you know, it would get moving. Or, usually, it goes by floor. So, it would go to the next floor, and then the next floor, until it... Until all the... Uh, so now she's pushing him again. Mm -hmm. And she just walked in looking very distressed. Almost as if she got bad news, like somebody broke up with her or something. That's what it looked like when she walked back in. <clears throat> now she's just not. pressing every fucking button on a thing. Repeatedly, and then she's stepping out, so... Mm -hmm. And she does a sidestep, so she takes one step out and then kind of slides to the left. Now here's the weird arm motions that she's doing. Yeah, is, it, is she talking almost, mm -hmm. like with her hands... I've never seen somebody talk like that before. It's almost like... It looks like sign language or some shit, right? That's fucking weird. Oh, God. It's a, it's just, she just walked out of the frame. Yep, walked out of the frame to the left. And you would think that at some point... Someone would walk by. I mean, you're in the middle of Los Angeles in this hotel, right? And there was just nothing. What was the timing, though, on this? Was it in the middle of the night? I think so. I don't know. And at this point, at 2.18 in the video, the door just closes. And now, it actually reopens, Chris, at 2.33. it closes again. But they, it's not moving. It's no. not going anywhere. Then it opens up again on a different floor. And the only reason you could tell that is because... The floor that Elisa was on was blue, and it opens up at a red floor. See yeah. that background? But that first time it opened, it opened back up at her floor. Yeah, you can see the lights on the buttons disappearing, too. So it looks like it's going to the next level. Oh, and that's it, man. That's the video. So uh, at this point, guys, turn us back on. <laughs> Oh, we would, just, well, we would still be on, right? We would still just... <laughs> they wouldn't... Yeah, they wouldn't be shutting us off at this point. 
but uh, <laughs> they would have been listening. Yes, yeah, so they would have been listening to us. What, am I, what the fuck am I saying? Um, <laughs> yes, but I mean, so Chris, let's dive into this, man. What's your take on all this? I think it's cl- pretty clear cut here. I think, I think she's off of her meds, and she is maybe maybe she was off of her meds before she left and maybe she's off her meds longer than she ever has been before and these are the effects she clearly has mental problems and it's not something that she should be alone it's to the point where she needs some sort of guidance or supervision and absolutely she's in a different country right i mean she's so far away from her her parents the only thing that i can explain about her parents allowing her to leave, given this state, is that she either A, has never shown this side of her before, or has not been off of meds perhaps this long before, if that's what happened, or she hadn't been in contact with them recently, and they didn't realize, because this is somebody that just does not look like they should be alone. Oftentimes, you can be very good at hiding it and deceiving people that, you know, making it look as if you're doing much better than you really are. You know, what's odd is I actually was involved one night with a friend of mine who had a psychiatric breakdown that looked eerily, and I mean eerily similar to something like this. And it was all these bizarre hand gestures, and I couldn't get her to snap out of it, kind of like. So I was trying to get her to snap out of it, but she was like, she wasn't being harmful, wasn't being aggressive, just these weird, bizarre, like, arm motions and was completely unresponsive. As far as I knew, there was no drugs or alcohol or anything in her system, but it was in the middle of the night. It was some weird, like, fucking, some weird shit going on there, man. So uh, I've seen something very similar to this. And, uh, you know, fortunately for the person that this happened to on my end, ended up getting help and is doing much better today. But uh, as you said, Chris, from my experience and what I'm looking at here, definitely looks like some form of psychiatric breakdown and this is nothing new chris i mean even though there are parents saying there was no reports of suicidal threats and they said that lisa wasn't suicidal there were reports that she had uh, gone missing for periods of time before they must have known that you know being she wasn't calling she's in this strange city by herself that you know she could be prone to an attack like this and or maybe could uh, use this as an opportunity to go missing again. And you do not want to go missing in Skid Row, Los Angeles. Yeah, obviously, the reason why she was moved from her room is, without a doubt, is because of this behavior. So she, there's no telling how long she's been doing this for, but we're assuming now, remember, there's two days that have been lost prior to her getting into this hotel. So where was she for two days prior to this hotel? Because she had gotten to los angeles on the 26th yeah right and then it wasn't until two days later that she actually checked into the hotel so she could have just been wandering anywhere yeah and i mean like we talked about earlier of all the places to to pick i mean the cecil hotel and i mean if you guys go back and listen to our episode on this i mean it just has a very 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 dark history i mean it opened up in uh, the 20s, but then it had fallen in hard times during the Great Depression, and it was at that point those blocks around it just fell into utter despair, which eventually became Skid Row. But as we said, Richard Ramirez was there. The Black Dahlia stayed there. We talked about in that Cecil Hotel, remember the, all the suicides, the one suicide of the woman jumping from 
the um, I forgot the 10th story or whatever the hell it was, and then landing on the guy who was passing by underneath. You know, oh my God, so, remember man. just the chance of that, and then the other serial killer, uh, Jack uh, Unterweger. So all these fucking people, man. Like you know, whether you believe in the supernatural or you know, if you're a religious person or whatnot, there's got to be a dark vibe and a dark cloud <laughs> inside that building. And you, you know, sometimes you could just feel an ominous presence, and that had to be there. We're not going to go into it too much because we already did an episode on it. So if you want to actually go back and listen to the Cecil Hotel episode about the whole history behind it and actually what it was meant to be, some very high-end, very fancy place, one thing led to another. I think it was what the, uh, was it the Great Depression that eventually just kind of did it in? It's just crazy that this thing, this place still is open. I guess it's just gotten so much fame from all the things over the years. Well, hold on one second, buddy. Hold on. They actually changed the name. So it's no longer the CISO Hotel, and we don't appreciate you talking badly about it. Because now... Yes. Now, it's called Stay on Main. So someone was crazy enough to buy the CISO Hotel. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. But, uh, Chris, please, that's neither here nor there right now. Let's get back into our story. So, Elisa... After getting off this elevator and after the surveillance video, that's the last time we ever see her. Nobody sees her again. And it was at that point that she was supposed to check out on the 31st, and her parents never hear from her. They contact the authorities. They're searching for her. Nobody can find Elisa. And about a week later, on February 6th, the police start putting out flyers in like you know, the Skid Row area around L.A., Thinking maybe, you know, if she disappeared into Skid Row, you know, it's could be easy to hide there. You know, there's tons of tents, you know, back alleys. Who knows what could be happening and who knows what kind of terrible fate she could suffer if she was out there. But uh, we come to find out, Chris, that she did meet a very tragic fate. It's on February 15th that the police end up releasing this video surveillance And you could imagine by what we just witnessed there that it would go viral, and it did, because it's just very unnerving, and it's not something you see every day. So, you know, the internet gets a hold of it, and fucking see it. Things off into the stratosphere, right? And it's a mere four days after that, on February 19th, 2013, Chris, when they find Elisa's body. Would you like to go into the details on that? So, apparently, on the 19th of February, there was an issue uh, with guests having complaints about the water pressure being low. And then, apparently, at some point later, some other people claimed that their water was colored black and had an unusual taste. this This is just fucking raunchy. So, on the morning of February 19th, As you mentioned, her body was found in one of four 1,000-gallon tanks that provide water to the guests. The kitchen, coffee shop, we're assuming obviously the one that she was in was going into the guests in the hotel. Like, as you said, it was coming out discolored. Uh, It was a bizarre smell to it, and some of the residents said it had a disgusting, sweet taste to it. So... I mean, you could imagine that's any kind of decomposition, bodily fluid just coming through. And of course, the even more horrific part about it is, is they are giving her a time of death on February 2nd. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about 
more than two weeks going by that she was in the tank. Oh, God, man. You could just imagine what that site was for, you know, these first responders when they rolled up on us. Because looking at these tanks, as you said, there's four of them. They're parallel to each other. There's two two and two, basically making a square. They look to be about 10 to 12 feet high. And I've read that there was a gap of probably about a foot to maybe two feet from the water supply to the top of the tank. So roughly about, you would assume about 10 feet of water. So a girl of Elisa's size, she gets in there, she's not touching the bottom. She's got to stay afloat and she can only hope that the reserves are high enough where she can reach the top of the tank, right, to pull her body up. Apparently that wasn't the case because it looks like from the reports that she slipped through Basically, a 16 to 20 inch, I, I see him go up to 20 inches, a flap. And basically, she had to crawl through that to get into the tank. This is where the mystery lies. Did somebody coax her into that tank? Did they persuade her to go in there? Was she just completely gone mentally at that point that she went in there herself? These are the things we just don't know. Or how she got to the tank. They, how they got to the tank. So, it would have to be some form of of ladder but there is a railing that's on the side of the building and if you look uh, i'll post one of these pictures there's railing on the side where she could reach up and and pull herself in but if that's the way she did it if she just takes one bad step on that railing she's fucking done you know she's going down to the pavement you know 10 stories below but that looks like to me it would be the way for her to get into the tank now, what's interesting, when they found her body, she was naked, but her clothes were floating in the tank with her. So, there's theories that she was having hallucinations. The theories are endless, but perhaps she thought this was a pool or some kind of, like, jacuzzi or anything, right? Like, her mind could just be playing fucking tricks on her. So, you know, something lured her into that water tank. Oh, lured her in or scared her up into it. We're talking about a very shady part of LA for there to be some sort of a whack job which has happened before residing in the hotel and seeing her it's not far-fetched nope not at all the only problem that you would have with that is I don't think she could have been pushed in by someone unless they had her looking in it and then push her from behind but to carry or drag a body in there would be nearly impossible so if that was the case she would have to have been coaxed to look for something in the tank and then push her from behind would be one way i believe that it it could be done they ended up releasing the results of the autopsy and uh chris there was no evidence of physical trauma uh they ruled out that this was a suicide They didn't see any evidence of a sexual assault. So with all that, Chris, there seems to have been no evidence of her having been physically attacked. When she was in the elevator in that footage, she was not necessarily acting as if someone was coming after her. If she was, she would have went into the elevator, frantically pushed a button, had the door closed, and have been done with it. She wouldn't have took her time to push several buttons then popped out looked left right went back in popped out and then she stayed out of the elevator if someone was coming after you you wouldn't get out of the elevator to put yourself in a position to to have somebody get you from what we're seeing it just shows somebody who's just mentally unstable that is a very astute observation chris and one thing i do find interesting 
is they say that her clothing had been coated in sand-like particulate. So, did she go to the beach somewhere prior to this? Well, that's the thing, man. I, that's the only thing I can kind of conclude is that she thought maybe she did go to a beach and then, like, was having these delusions or, you know, illusions that this was a fucking pool or a jacuzzi or some shit, right? Possibly, yeah. You know, maybe she wanted to jump in the water. Yeah, and it could just be a random thing. You know, like, when you go to a hotel, at least... I, I did this when I was younger, and my kids do this if we go away. You know, you go and explore the hotel. You go roam around and shit. So, you know, she might have just, you know, went up that flight of stairs to the roof. You know, the emergency door was open, went out and checked it out, and then saw these huge tanks. And was like, what the fuck is in this thing? Climbed up to take a look at it and fell in. Could be oh something God. as simple as that, man. But, you know, I laugh when, you know, they said, well, the door had an alarm on it that would go off. Let's be real about this. When you have these low-budget hotels in these fucking shitty areas, I've known people that actually lived in motels that were supposed to have alarms, and nothing is alarmed. It's just there for show to keep people out. You could go right through the fucking thing, and nothing is going to set that thing off. So there's actually a video on YouTube, Chris, where you can actually see a group of guys, and they're like kind of retracing Elise's last uh, day, and they're going through the hotel, filming shit, and they go up to the stairwell where... You know, she made her last trip up to the rooftop and they were able to, correct me if I'm wrong, access the roof via the fire escape or some kind of window that was right there, right? Yeah, and and not only that, but apparently two of the lids, two of the tank's lids were open. I mean, in addition to being a hazard, you know, if if they're open, what about bird shit, rats? Just the, the foul nature of those tanks being open, right? So, I mean, you can't tell me that everything at this place is on the up and up and everything is checked daily. I, I, I just can't see that happening in a place like this. And who knows, dude, because if staff members found her because of that complaint about the water, they could have been like, look, shit, this was wide open. They could have closed the lid on this thing a little more or anything or locked it you know you don't even know i mean obviously they're they could see themselves being stuck in a major lawsuit if if god forbid the thing was wide open for someone to fall in absolutely and then once they touch something the whole crime scene is altered in conclusion to that chris uh there were a number of lawsuits filed against the hotel where elise's parents filed um a wrongful death lawsuit against the cecil as well as the patrons of the hotel. And the patrons of the hotel have a, in my opinion, a very valid complaint here, Chris, because we reported that the body was in a severe state of decomposition to the point where skin was missing, there was marbling on the body. I hate to be so graphic, but this is in the report. And the fact that uh, they couldn't really run a complete toxicology report, or they couldn't at least get accurate results because of the lack of blood that was left in Elise's body at this point, right? Because it was, it was upwards of two weeks. Yeah, it was, it was, I think, 17 days. Uh, I mean, this place has had its share, you know, whatever you, whatever name the hotel had, it doesn't matter. The, the building, the infrastructure is the same. This place has just been one nightmare after another since it's been fucking open. As you said, there's just so much darkness around this hotel man i mean but now i'm thinking chris it's becoming a tourist attraction 
people are actually wanting to go here to check it out. I gotta be honest with you, maybe to check it out, but who the fuck would want to stay in it? And I can't imagine they're allowing people to just wander around unless they're allowing to do tours for a price. That's the thing, Chris. When, when, when people go there, they're actually requesting to stay in the Elisa Lamb room or the Richard Ramirez room or the Black Dahlia's room. I mean, these motherfuckers are sick. Yeah. No way. The dark lore of this hotel continues to grow because uh, your favorite TV show there, American Horror Story, um, apparently I'm reading here, I've never seen it, but the fifth season was based on uh, the Cecil Hotel. I didn't know that. I've seen, (laughs) I I may have seen an an episode of one season, but (laughs) I didn't know that they... uh... Maybe I got overzealous by saying it's your favorite show. (laughs) I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that they um, they did a whole season on that hotel. I'll have to check that out. I'm just reading here also, in 2021, this new year, Discovery Plus and your twin, Zach Baggins, from Ghost Adventures, is going... Remember the, remember the douchebag with the pointy hair? Remember the guy that we fucking hate? We watched a couple of those shows. Oh my god, hold on, I, have to, I have to look him up. Zach yeah. Baggins? Yeah, Zach Baggins, you'll know him. Look him up quick. Old, oh my god. Remember this fucking clown? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. So he's going there apparently. Oh, so uh great. and I'm, uh, sure I'm, I'm the case. Yeah. I'm going to guess that a, a ball moves at a camera or a door slams just a, just as the camera fucking uh, uh pans in the oh, other direction. Oh, we just missed it, folks. Oh man. Isn't that something to see? But uh also as you said Chris, um, Netflix has a documentary coming our way, which is called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which will explore Elise's uh, death. And Netflix does a nice job on this documentary, so I will definitely be tuning into that. Uh, Zach Baggins, not so much. but uh, <laughs> Sorry, bud. Yeah, but that's it, man. This, this case still draws tons of interest, man. I mean, it's coming up on the eight-year anniversary, and it's just as popular as ever. Or I, mean, I don't know if I want to say popular, just as... Uh, unnerving and fascinating as ever, because you just don't yeah, know. The, There's no answers. No, I know that, and that, and the footage just just totally creeps you out. And I don't think there ever will be answers to this. I mean, at this point, no, no way. But the only thing I can guarantee you is there's going to be more tragedy at the Cecil. Or s- I'm sorry, you mean stay at Maine? Yeah, stay on deck or whatever it is. <laughs> stay on Maine. <laughs> or whoever fucking buys it next. But that is it, Chris. That is the unfortunate and mysterious case of the death of Elisa Lamb. So, Chris, not only does that wrap up the episode, but that wraps up our one-year anniversary extravaganza. How are you feeling about that, bud? Crazy. Yes. We- managed to stick around for all year now the question is will there be a second anniversary buddy <laughs> well well i guess i mean we first need to stay alive for another year to see let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves yes next, next goal is 50 episodes then maybe 75 episodes and 100 episodes and then we'll take it from there yeah, we're going to have to plan something big for the 100th. Yes, and we got to get back into the skits. I like the original skits that we used to do, but uh, <laughs> maybe not for this one. Uh, I just don't feel like fucking editing it. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I uh, think that's it, Chris. I think I covered all the bases, so uh, let's go ahead and give the rundown. Yeah. Shall we? 
<laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. If you uh, want to get up close and personal and uh, rub on Chris a little bit, you could get him on Facebook, <laughs> Between the Crocs Podcast. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at uh, Instagram, and that's Between the Cracks Podcast. Uh, we will always uh, be willing and able to write you back. Uh, if you want to become a patron, and, and Chris and I actually discussed this earlier, Patreon <laughs> or, or Patreon. So it's a Patreon page, and a patron would be the person who joins. Or you could call it the patron page, because it's the page that would belong to the patrons. Does that make sense, Chris? So basically, no one's going to ever find this yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, it's, that's, yeah, you're not going to find it, so I just put it in the link of the show. So uh, join us there, and uh, there's all these fucking cool things. There's stickers, mugs, shit that we give away, shout-outs on the show. You get to pick a show. Uh, there are Patreon-only episodes that uh, we do monthly. And uh, if I get enough energy, I might even do two in a month, Chris. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, with all that shit out of the way, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, farewell. It's a happy kitty for the anniversary episode. All right. That was a good, that was a good episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shouldn't be terrible. No, no. We had some good stints for us. Fucking kept going.